Let us all turn to God in prayer. Eternal God, our gracious, loving Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the return of this wonderful time in the house of prayer, where we can gather, Lord, to praise you, to receive your word, and to, Lord, put our petitions before you. Lord, we know this is a great privilege. We only ask that you forgive us and cleanse us and wash us of all our sins. Lord, forgive us for our, our unwillingness, our lethargy in coming to thy house to seek thy face. And Lord, now we pray that you would use your holy word to help us understand the traits, the characteristics of even Christians in the end times. Lord, many of these behaviors, Lord, are perilous because it not only destroys our own life, it destroys the life of others, it destroys the life of the church. So Father, we pray that you move in our hearts, remove again, we ask, Lord, every distraction. Lord, cause us to listen. Lord, we want to obey, we want to know how to live in ways that would make us useful for you in this kingdom. Lord, be with us, we plead and we pray for all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight we move to one of the new traits that, that we are warned of, right? Tonight we are going to cover there are many things that were sung in the hymns that were chosen about how Christians will be incontinent. Incontinent. Now, what is the meaning of incontinent? Now, it means without self-control. That is what it means, all right? No self-control. Without restraint. You won't restrain yourself. You won't curb your passions. You won't pull back your sinful inclinations. So, this word has to do with, now, two aspects. One is meaning someone who has no ability. You know, just for example, like children, um, they, they are incontinent. You say they're incontinent. means they can't control their bladder when they're sleeping, all right? So, no control. So one aspect is that. Now the other is there is little desire or no desire. So one is cannot, there is no power to control. The other is there is little or no desire to restrain the passions of the flesh. Or it can be both. Or it can be both. No power as well as not interested. Now, this is talking about someone who, who is unbridled. You know, like a horse, you bridle the horse to control it. They pull um, on the bits in the mouth, then the horse um, follows the direction. But unbridled means is not, not restrained. Someone who is unbridled and intemperate, all right, intemperate in his passions, his appetites. Right, appetites. Now, this can be sinful as well as non-sinful appetites. It just simply means no control or not interested in controlling in sinful things as well as non-sinful things. All right? So, because some things are not sinful, but it is still wrong to be 
unbridled, without temperance in those things. I mean, just one quick example, just to give you an idea. We'll study more examples, God willing, next week. Is, for example, eating. Eating, all right? Gluttony is incontinence when it comes to something that is necessary in life, right? We become gluttons, we overeat, we, we don't control our appetites. So it can also be in things that are not sinful and we just don't want to. We go overboard in it, right? So that is the meaning of incontinent, incontinent. Now the believer must understand some things need to be explained because a believer, we say, well, you know, a believer should have the power to overcome sin, correct? So we say, Pastor, how come, how come this word is used on, um, on believers, warning to believers? Believers don't be without power to rein in your, your passions. Why is it used on believers as well? Now, we have to understand that salvation, and I've repeated this many times, salvation is God saving us from the penalty of sin because a penalty of sin, we need salvation or else we end up in hell, all right? So God himself came, be our sacrifice, died for us, paid for our sins. So there's salvation from the penalty which is eternal judgment in hell of sin. But salvation in the Bible also refers to what, uh, Thomas? Being saved from? No, salvation in the Bible, when God says, well, salvation means we are saved from the penalty of sin as well as the? And what? That is the penalty of sin. Penalty of sin is being condemned to hell. Um, John, John Sihumbing. God save us from the penalty of sin as well as? Okay, try last one. Um, Cornelius. God also save us from... God also enable us to not sin, is it? All right? Okay, put it another way. Last one. Um, uh, Veronica. Uh, you must speak louder. Very good. All right? God save us. Please remember this, all right? Christian, you must remember this. Otherwise, salvation, your understanding of salvation is very limited. And as a result, you don't live rightly. So what is the word? Right, you spoke softly. Say from the penalty of sin. The next time I ask, I hope everyone here must remember because that is your Christian life. That is what God saved you. That is what God came to do. He also saved you from the power of sin. Remember that. Do not forget that. God saved you from the penalty of sin, which is condemnation to hell. And God also saved you from the power of sin. In other words, God did not just save you so that you go to heaven. God saved you because He intended for you to overcome sin. He gives you the power to overcome sin. Power, the sin has no more power, no more control, no more rule, no more dominion, no more domination over you. Sin does not have that power over you, you anymore. God has saved you from that power. 
that sin has over you when you were an unbeliever. All right, so please remember that because if you don't remember that, you will become incontinent because you will think that, well, I cannot control. I, I, I'm going to heaven, I'm saved, but God only saved me to go to heaven. But all this sin that I used to love in my previous life before I was saved, this, they will always have power over me. We must have this right understanding that the Christian must know we are freed from the power of sin, not just the penalty of sin. Now then you say, but then how does this happen? How, how does a Christian become incontinent? Now when we get saved, our sinful desires do not go away 100%. The Bible describes that the flesh, this flesh still remains. The Apostle Paul said, I struggle with this flesh after his salvation. And in other words, these inclinations to sins, and for some of us, we have stronger inclination to certain sins than others, and others different from us. This inclination, these um, desires, now they will still remain in us. Some may leave um, almost immediately, some over time, but this will be present. Not 100% of them are gone. But at salvation, God says, you are a new creature. All right? So now, there is the flesh as well as the new creature that exists in you. You must understand that very clearly. All right? Because the Christian must know then that there will be a struggle in you. Whether you want to be self-controlled or not self-controlled, you must know there is this struggle there, but, but, with this new nature that God has given you, you are able to overcome any sin. In other words, you are able to rein in, you are able to self-exercise self-control, you are able to discipline yourself, the key word is, you are able to now. That's why, he, that's why I kept saying you must realize you have been not only saved from the penalty of sin, but from also the power of sin. Now, many Christians go through their life without realizing this. They think it's just going to heaven, well, and they give up, all right, over time. They just say certain, they even use words like, this is my master sin, all right? It's the key sin that have mastery over me. With the new creation in us, the internal struggle is still there. The flesh cannot enslave you anymore. You, cannot, you will not be enslaved. You will not be dominated by it anymore. Now, but the issue is this. When these struggles occur in us, the issue of falling is, well, number one, we refuse, we refuse to use the power that God has given us to exercise self-control. Because you cannot deny, God says, everything that you need to live your Christian life for sanctification, you, you have it. In fact, God described it as the power of Christ. You have the power of Christ. So whenever we fall, God already says, it is not that, you know, um, you're tempted and because 
you, you blame temptation, it is always, always the refusal to exercise self-control. This is incontinent. Incontinent. God will work in you, but your flesh will strive against the Spirit of God to try and negate, undo the work that God intends to do in you. And as God intends to do that in you, to become more holy, more godly, your flesh, the world, your old desires, well, they will seek to try and regain control. When that happens, the Christian um, must remember this word. I choose by the power of God right, to not be incontinent, to exercise discipline over what my flesh wants. Paul calls it a boxing match, beating down the old flesh, beating it till it's blue and black, all right? So Christian, the problem that is warned here is that the Christian can reach a stage where you choose to sin away. To sin away this ability to overcome sin. What do I mean by sin away? Now, we know that we are not sinlessly perfect, but we can be as sanctified as we want to be by the grace of God. And I want us to realize you can be as sanctified as you want to be. But the problem with the flesh is when we are incontinent, we sin away that ability, meaning you can overcome it, but you just choose to not control yourself, go do it, go think about it, go engage in it, means you, you go into that sin, and you choose to sin away whatever God has given you. Not that you, when you repent, you cannot regain that, but you can go on and on and on in it. All right, so that is the explanation of the situation, which is why God says you must realize you must, you must not be, you must be, you must not be incontinent. Now then, why the need for this warning? All right, why the need for this warning? Before that, um, maybe we talk about the need for this warning. Now, all these characteristic traits, there are warnings. Now, then we have to ask ourselves, why would God warn of this? Number one. Now, we always remember this. It begins after salvation, you get saved. Now, there may be certain so-called master sin that used to, used to dominate you, enslave you, you were addicted to before salvation. You're afraid of that after salvation. You want very much to get away from it, all right? Think of whatever that is for yourself, for yourself after salvation. 
Now, it could be gambling, it could be smoking, it could be um, some addiction or something, whatever it is, all right? Now, initial stage is you, you want to control it. You want to exercise self-control over it. Now, but then, first, how do we end up being incontinent? Well, it first begins with, I want to, then slowly, slowly, you give in, all right? You don't control. You don't exercise self-discipline. You let yourself be in those situations. And when you're in those situations, you say, I, I hope I can get out of it. In other words, you flirt with sin. Now, being incontinent, it, it begins with flirting with sin. Not getting rid of the thing totally. Okay? So, for example, like people who are drug addicts. They don't become drug addicts overnight. Now, initially, they, they, in their mind, oh, I don't want to have these things in my life. Now then they get themselves in those situations. And then the next thinking is this. Maybe it's okay, maybe one time it's okay. You remember when you first got saved? You want to avoid that sin. And you maybe avoided it for first few weeks of salvation. Then the thought comes, maybe, maybe once, okay, just once. All right? And that is how drug, druggies become addicts. Just once. And in that time, you may even think, well, it, it shouldn't do so much harm, all right? It shouldn't be so bad. Well, in the case of um, druggies, they, well, today they actually have what is called recreational drugs, right? As long as you're careful, you should be all right. Uh, that is the thinking in the, sin, in the realm of sin for the believer as well. Well, may, maybe one time, or, or maybe a little bit of this, I won't go the full extent, whatever it is, all right? Um, as long, I, but I will be very careful. I will be very careful. Then you fall into it. And then all the old um, sensations, um, satisfaction comes with it. So it begins with that. You're not incontinent yet, all right? you will still want to exercise some self-control. Now then, slowly we allow ourselves to go back to the sins or indulge in new sins. And time, over time, these things become more and more frequent in our lives. You're not incontinent yet, probably. You're still often exercising self-control. Now remember, I said, by the definition of this word, it means no power, no power or no desire to control, okay? The no desire to control will come in first. You will begin to indulge in it and then you begin to enjoy that sin more and more. Then it becomes more a part of your life then when these sins come to tempt you, you have lost the desire to control. Now you have begun to become incontinent. Because incontinent is not, I have no power, I cannot, I cannot. It is about, I have little desire. Now I just let it happen. I may feel bad and all that, but I know it's not good, but I let it happen. Now you do not struggle and fight and get so remorseful over it anymore. Right? A new believer recently told me that, I said, how do you know you're saved? How do you feel about, um, do you have any change over you? I say, yeah, now 
Last week, I sinned something in something, and I, and I wept. I said, I never imagined that would happen. I said, that's, that's good to be sensitive to sin, but if you allow it, if you go back to it again and again and you allow it, you will not cry anymore. You will have, you, you will just feel uh, it's not good, but I don't really care. All right? So it comes to that stage where, remember when we said, whatsoever things are, um, what is excellent, right? You no longer feel that you want to be the very best Christian you want to be. No longer. You don't want to control yourself to be that anymore. You let things come in. Now, eventually, you get engrossed, you get entrenched in it. Entrenched. Means the moment you reach home or the moment you're with your friends or whatever in that situation or whatever it is, now you find that you're entrenched in it. Now, gradually, it takes control over you because you have, over time, allowed it to. Remember, the meaning of incontinent is no desire. So now you reach a place where you have no desire, and now it takes control. It is not because you have no control. But over time, you have allowed it to take control. That is the meaning of incontinent. You have not much desire now. You don't fight against it. You let it control you. You let it enslave you. You let it dominate you. So when it begins to take over you, now then it will overtake. It will overtake your ability to overcome it. I want to say this again. First, you allow it. You don't exercise self-discipline. It will take over your time, your resources, your energy, your focus, your desires. It will take over. At that point, you still can get out of it. If you choose to repent and obey God. But if you don't, it will reach the other end of incontinence means you will lose, it will overtake your power. It will overtake your power. Now, don't misunderstanding. And stand me, I'm not saying the power of God in your life is gone. But what I mean is the Christian can reach a point where he becomes in a particular sin enslaved again. All right? Enslaved again. In other words, it's so overpowering that whether it is, well, watching things on the internet or, or what else, you just find that you can't get yourself out of it. You go home, straight away, you go to the thing, all right? Or some Christian may be smoking, right? They, they just got saved, they give it up. I'm giving you an illustration, right? The physical illustration. Um, they give it up, and then they say, ah, just one cigarette, and never mind. I'll be careful. And then it becomes more often. Then it begins to take control. Now, eventually, he goes back to that state where now it dominates him again. He just has to keep having the cigarette, now, this is how it progresses, which is why God warns. Now, it can reach a stage where, where you find that you can't eat, you can't sleep, you just keep doing that one thing. Aren't, isn't it true? Are not Christians um, overpowered by gambling, pornography, whatever you name it, gluttony? We can reach that stage. That is why God warns, please, Christians, 
This is how the world lives. They let themselves be enslaved and they have no power over it. You have the power. But if you let yourself again, this thing is going to overtake you. Now, that's the first warning. The second warning is this. Remember, God says, from such withdraw thyself. From such withdraw thyself. Why does God want us to withdraw ourselves from people, from Christians who are incontinent, who are in addictions, enslaved with certain sins? Why does God ask us to do that? Because we will end up influencing others to live the way we live. We will introduce these sins to them, and the weaker ones will fall into these sins. Those who have overcome these sins, when they're with you, they get introduced to it again. Now, remember um, one church camp. I preached in another church. And um, God led me to preach on um, addictions, I mean the passage, addictions especially to um, Hong Kong cereals, Korean cereals and all that, right? Now then, on the bus journey back in the coach, I saw from the side of my eye this elderly person was using an iPad. I said, what's the person doing? Hopefully reading the Bible, but it was from clear line of sight watching those things. The moment she got up the bus, have to get into it straight away. Someone who has been a Christian for some time in the church, has been in the church for some time at least, all right? Christian family and so on. And guess what? The person sitting next to her, what do you think happens? Well, if it's a strong Christian, you say, hey, come on, you know, we just learned. These things, they are addictive, they draw our minds from God. They put all sorts of worldly values into our mind. Put it aside. Well, a strong Christian will do that. But when it's a weak Christian, look, follow, 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 follow. Wow, this series is quite nice. When I go back, I think I want to download it or whatever. All right? Buy it or whatever. Why does God say, withdraw yourself? You become a danger to others. This warning is to the church. All right? And then we have children, children on the coach sitting behind. They can always see through all right? the, the, the chairs and follow. Right? And I remember when I was on one flight, um, a child, an adult was watching videos on their screen. Um, bad videos, all right? Um, and this child behind was watching and watching and watching and following. Your addictions or your enslavement to worldly sinful things, whatever it is, you become a danger to others. At home, all right? At home, parents. What you're addicted to, your child will pick up. What you're addicted to as singles, your siblings will pick up. All right, so in other words, the warning, the danger of incontinence, besides you over time becoming enslaved by it again, not that you cannot be delivered it from, from it ever, but now it has become a very miserable thorn in your life. God told the children of Israel, 
if you do not get rid of these people and their idols, what were, what were his description? There will be a thorn. There will be thorns in you. And God said, there will be thorns in your eyes. Can you imagine how irritating thorns in the eyes are? But God says, there will be thorns in your eyes. Painful. You want to get rid of it, but it's always there and irritating and painful, and you just try to get rid of it, but it's there. So, Christian, why must God warn us against this? That is the first thing. And the second thing is, incontinence, what I just described, the second one is, it is destructive. It destroys you. You will come to a stage where your, you sin away your usefulness to God. God, or I'll put it this way, why I want us to keep remembering that scriptures tell us salvation is the deliverance from the power, penalty of sin and the power of sin is this. God did not just save you to help you avoid hell. God saved you with the intent to use you. God saved you with a plan to use you. And he gives you the power to be what he wants you to be. But when you allow yourself to reach a stage of incontinence, Remember the word is allow. Allow. You choose to. You destroy yourself. God will stop using you. Your whole purpose on earth during that period, all wasted. Years of sinning. Right? Like the hymn writer said, years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not that my Lord was crucified. Just go and be like the prodigal son. Destructive. Incontinence is destructive. You can be so, you, you will sin away the resources that God gives you, whether it's time, whether it's energy, whether it's abilities, whether it's health. Many incontinent things destroy health. Lack of self control destroys you, and like I said just now, it destroys others. Why do you think God named this as one of the key things? Because incontinence is destructive to yourself and to others. Now then let's look at, well, the description and maybe some signs. Because the fact that God warns us about this, then we must identify, we must ask ourselves, have I become incontinent in certain areas? Have I become incontinent? Has it happened to me? How do, we, how do I identify that? Now, knowing what it is, here are some description of an incontinent person and some signs, all right? The description. It is someone who is given to succumbing to the fleshly inclinations. Whenever there is a fleshly inclination, you, you just want to do that. You just do it. You won't ask, well, you know, but this will affect my time with God. This will affect my, it, may make, it will make me um, love the things of the world. It will make me think of sinful things. But you just succumb. You're someone who do not exercise self-control. You ever seen people who, who love food, right? Um, what I understand, like for example, in the, in, the, in the Roman times, they love, some of them, they love gluttons, all right? The Bible often talks about gluttons. You see them very often. People who love food, they cannot control themselves. Neither do they want to control. They will just keep taking and taking, and then they will purposely go and 
throw, make themselves throw up and then after that they go back to it they throw up so that they can come back to eat it again they, they really don't care they just succumb their fleshly desires they just succumb to it now we have to ask ourselves am I someone like that is there something in my life where actually I, I, I just succumb to it I don't, when, when the desires come I just go and engage myself in it now that is one sign that you have become incontinent and I mentioned just now you allow yourself to be slave, enslaved. You allow yourself to be enslaved. Now, how do we know if we have allowed ourselves to be enslaved? What are some of the signs, some of the signs? Well, you know that you are incontinent. In other words, you can't exercise self-control. You can't restrain yourself and you have become addicted or enslaved to something. When your parents or when someone say, can you please come and do this now? And he's doing something that is normal, that is proper. Maybe come, come and eat. All right? How do you react? For example, you're watching something on the internet. Playing some games. Um, engaging in some hobbies. You get irritated. That is a sign. I can't control myself. I can't pull myself away from things easily. Then you know incontinence have already set in. And please remember the warnings about incontinence. You get agitated. You get upset. You get angry that you need to go away and leave the thing. Means now that thing has mastery over you. You can't put it down easily anymore. All right? It rules you so much to the point where it affects your emotions. You see how destructive it is? So young ones, if daddy and mommy says, come for dinner, come, it's devotion time, family devotion time, come, it's prayer time, come, help me do this. And all you want to is just keep sticking, I think I get you upset and you get angry. Well, you must say, I have become incontinent. And God warned me about that, that Christians can become like that. The next thing, next example of signs are, now besides that, you can't put, us, put it aside, you can't disengage, you can't stop thinking about it. Now it begins to now make you disinterested in spiritual things. Why does God warn about incontinence? Because whether it is sinful things or even non-sinful things, as long as, well, sinful things definitely it will affect your spiritual desires. When non-sinful things, and it has become something that, that is so, that's overtaken you, why does God warn against that? You will now proportionately lose your interest in reading the Bible, in prayer, in studying the Word of God. If the sign is, now you begin to skip church, Bible studies. You begin to skip prayer meetings. You begin to skip, well, you're going to worship, yes. Then you begin to skip, well, say, I think I want to drop FEBC courses. You begin to skip Bible reading at home. Your quiet time, you begin to skip prayer. Why? Because you cannot control or you do not bother to control your desire to do that thing, which Bible studies, church, prayer time, family devotion, 
um, all these spiritual activities, they are now taking away time and resources from that which you want to do. Do you understand how incontinence destroys your spiritual appetite? That is what it is. It's just like children. Parents, you are so concerned and you're so controlling when it comes to letting them eat certain things because they know if they eat these things, they will lose their appetite, right? This is what it is for the adult in our spiritual walk. You have lost, it will make you lose your appetite, your spiritual appetite in spiritual things. And when you have to do those spiritual things over time, initially you, you feel bad. And I explained to you how you progress from one stage of incontinence to another. Eventually, you get fed up. Why? One must do this. One must go. It will also lead you, incontinence will also lead you to lie. To lie. You don't want to do certain things that, are, that you know is spiritually good. You will give excuses. You will lie. You will give, you rationalize with daddy and mommy. You, you will give excuses to church. You see how destructive incontinence is? All because you want to go back to that thing. Oh, good. Everybody has gone to church. Now I can go and watch this. Or I can go and do this or do that. Right? Because that thing now is controlling you. It has taken possession over your discipline. What are the signs? What are the signs? Now, over time, besides having low interest in these things, you will begin to rationalize and think these things are not so sinful after all. They're not that bad. Right, I engage in them, but, but nothing happened to me. Not that bad, not that sinful. Right? That is how the addiction grows. You will begin to see these things as you will even rationalize it's necessary. It's necessary. Right? Next week we see, God willing, some examples where you won't feel that, well, it's these things are necessary. Right? That's why I'm, I'm, I'm so engaged in it. God says that such Christians exist in the church. The warning is this. These are Christians in the church. We must search our hearts. Maybe you have not become, you have not reached that stage yet. You have not reached that stage yet. But God wants that incontinence is not only no desire, but it will eventually lead to no power. It will be very painful to get out of that. And even if you get out of it, you would have destroyed so many things in your life, so many people in your life, and it will scar you so badly that even when you get out of it again, you will find that it is a very big struggle all the time because you allow yourself to go there. I mean, it's the same. I use the analogy of, of taking um, contraband drugs as that. Even when they manage to get out of it, they you know the difficulty, how life becomes so, so much more difficult to live normally. Very difficult. Do you want your life to be so scarred in your Christian walk? 
So we've put, you just literally put these hurdles in front of you. Incontinence is you reach a point where you, you know those are normal things to be done, but you just cannot get away from this to go and do those normal things. Do you want to end up like that? No true believer would want to. Right? So today, for tonight, we learn what it is. We learn um, why, why it's a warning, why we must be warned of it. We learn some of the description and signs. God willing, next week we will learn, let's discuss some examples all right, of incontinence that are common in the Christian's life. Let us pray. Our gracious, loving Heavenly Father, we pray that you help us search our hearts, search our ways, examine how we spend our time, our resources, and be very honest with ourselves if there's any area, anything, Lord, that has overtaken, Lord, our lives, our discipline, our self-control, our restraint, to the point where we simply are not interested in or Lord, have no longer the power to overcome it. He has once again enslaved us. O oh Lord, show us that we may respond and repent, O oh Lord, before it becomes too difficult or even too late. Lord, we ask that you be merciful to meet with us in the place of prayer. Help each one of us to focus in prayer, to be sincere, Lord, not to pray hypocritical or um, callous prayers, but let us all support one another for the items, Lord, that we need to bring before you. We ask and pray for all this in Jesus' name. Amen.